Thanks, everybody. Uh, my name is Carol, and I am a compulsive overeater. It's really wonderful to be here and to share right after Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful that it was an abstinent Thanksgiving, and I'm not scared about it not being, but I also never want to take it for granted. Um, and it's nice to be here. I used to be a regular when this meeting was in person, and uh, but I and so it and it's. I feel like I didn't know who comes to this meeting. I feel like you've all heard my story, but you know. Hopefully something, could everyone mute just because I'm hearing a little uh, background. Thank you. Um, uh, so anyway, um, thanks. Uh, I want to qualify first um, that I was, uh, it's been over 36 years uh, of recovery of abstinence in this program by the grace of God. And when I came in, people used to say all the time, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. And I think that that for me is a great thing to keep saying, because without it, I have no life. I have all these other things in my life because of this program, but without that abstinence, I would have no life. I'm not scared of losing it, but like I said, I never want to take it for granted. It's not only that when I came in at age 28, I weighed about 150 pounds more than I do now, it's that I was steadily gaining. This is a progressive disease. I could not walk across the room without putting food in my mouth. And since then, I haven't had to live that way. And it's beyond grateful. I used to say, and I believed it to be true, that this program's life or death for me. But now that it's been a number of years and I'm at a certain age, it's hitting me even more. It's beyond, it's not a, a possibility. It's not like a probability is for sure that I would not be on this earth plane, but for this program. That's the truth. So, okay, going into my history, I know I was always a compulsive reader from birth, possibly even given that my mother had our disease uh, in utero. <laughs> um, but I thought I, saw, I was always hugely overweight, but that's not true when I look back at pictures. Uh, but I was certainly, uh, I thought of myself as hugely fat, but I was probably always overweight to some extent. This disease is progressive. The weight the failed, the, the increasingly failed attempts to diet and quote, control my food and, and the way I ate and how I felt about it. So I officially tried starting to diet when I was age 15, going to commercial weight program. When I came into OA at age 28, I weighed about a hundred pounds more than when I began the diet era. So that will give you an idea of how successful my dieting was. Of course, when I was in the middle of that, I couldn't see it. I didn't realize what was happening. I mean, on some level I did, but I didn't let myself feel it. But you can imagine it was very, very demoralizing. So, um, you know, as that, you know, that progressed, and I want to say something too for, I know there's people here who understand this, being at that kind of severe obesity is a terrible, painful thing, both physically and emotionally. So the weight is a terrible symptom, and it is only the second worst thing about my disease. The first worst thing is actually the eating itself, the way I was driven by food. There were times I would give myself permission, like, okay, it's not Monday yet. Because that, that was 15, the 13 years, I guess I told you about, I was always on a diet, pretending to be on a diet. I was going to start the diet Monday. Like food weight never left my brain. It was a constant drone. So I would say, okay, I'm going to start the diet Monday. I can eat anything. I go into a store and like, sometimes I walked out of the store without even buying anything because I, by the end, now we're getting to the end, I couldn't find anything to satisfy my Jones. It was just totally driven by the food. I may not be the only person here too, who used to think 
the greatest thing is if they invented a magic pill where you could eat whatever you wanted and not gain weight. I now know that would be hell. It would be hell. It would be, my life would be completely around the food and I would probably, it would make my life unmanageable in other ways. So, but I didn't know that then, you know. Um, and oh, the other thing about that is I, I, there's a picture of me that was taken when I was about two weeks abstinent. So I was still extremely overweight because you obviously don't, you, you know, 150 pounds overweight. I still basically, I don't know if I'd lost any weight, but certainly not that would show in a picture. But I was looking at the camera and smiling and looked happy because something had shifted. The monkey was off my back. I didn't even know there was a monkey on my back until it got off. So the greatest thing is the freedom from eating. And yes, thank God for the weight loss. This is my life too. It kills. But the main thing is the freedom from having to eat that way. I am not one who finds it useful to explore why I became a compulsive overeater. That's five already. The most useful thing was hearing uh, the AA saying that if you're in a building that's on fire, you don't figure out how the fire got started. You just get out. Now, that doesn't mean I don't need to look at my emotions, my family of origin, et cetera, to help me live a better life. But that's not going to get me abstinent. Um, I was, you know, doing what I didn't feel right. Wasn't right for me work-wise. I had friends, but I didn't tell them the truth because I didn't know it. And it got increasingly more and more miserable. I felt when I look back at that time, again, I didn't put words to it at the time. I felt like I was in a, in a daze, like walking in mud, walking in quicksand. And I, inside, I knew I was dying, although I didn't put words to it. I woke up choking at night. I found out later that's called sleep apnea, you know, and it was more and more miserable. And I'm going to move into what it was, what happened. The first sh like sort of shard of light was I was walking in San Francisco about a year before I came in and I saw something that had been put on a lamppost. Are you addicted to food? It was an OA thing with a little phone number on the bottom. And anything about food, diet, weight, I hated it. I wouldn't even listen. I couldn't even look at it. But something about this stopped me in my tracks. And it, almost a calm feeling came over me for the moment because I knew it was true. Kind of explains why I hated everything about dieting and food, but I really always related to like movies and songs about alcoholism and food and drug addiction and, and heroin, even a song heroin really touched me in my heart. Now, I do identify as an alcoholic, although food was my number one thing. I've never had heroin, but I understood that level of addiction because of my food addiction. So it spoke to me. So that was the first thing. I took the number, but I, I couldn't, I never called it or anything. And then the way I got 12 step was by my cousin who was a member of AA. I'd seen transformation in her because she'd managed to sort of willpower get off cocaine, which was her drug of no choice. But I saw a very edgy, unhappy person. And then she started to go to AA and I saw a calm, happier. I saw a transformation in her that wasn't about her physical size. And she, when I was visiting her in LA in December of 86, she took me to a meeting with her and I felt like it was safe because it was checking out what she was into, but it completely changed my life. She said, when they say alcohol, think food. And I did. And everything was different from that moment. Something that was really I think it flipped a brain switch in me, although I didn't realize what was happening until in retrospect, they had a sobriety countdown, 30 days, shaky people to the 40 years radiating contentment, but they all had something in common. They were so happy not to have to drink. And the brain switch that it flipped is because I was so heavy, I thought of a diet as something like a waiting execution, you know, it would be this long, dark tunnel of deprivation. 
And something flipped in that moment. And I knew that, and I got that it's a relief. And I still believe for this day, I do not feel deprived. It's a relief not to have to eat that way. But it wasn't the first Monday in January yet. So I had a couple of weeks of absolutely miserable eating. And then I used the totally fake energy of the first Monday in January, but it got me to a meeting. I can't explain what happened. That's the one day I can't explain because it was grace. I went home that day and didn't have to, after the meeting, and didn't have to eat the way I had to eat. But I really, I really object to the phrase struck abstinent. I think part of the reason I object to it is ego, like as if I was given something and didn't have to do anything. Of course, like everybody on this meeting, I have to work this program to keep what I've got. But more than that, I feel like it's not effectively carrying the message to imply that anything was given me that's not available to anyone, whether it's your first day or 300,000th day. You know, so I try to think about what actually happened that helped that thing happen. First of all, I was beaten up. Maybe that's second, maybe there's a few things. But I felt I was grateful that for some reason, and it was grace because I never was like not even thinking. It's like in a daze, like I said, is that I was given something that allowed me to seize the moment and not wait. Willingness is a gift. They said in the in how it works, we stood at the turning point. And if I waited to figure out the perfect food plan or consult somebody, I don't think I'd be here. You know, the details of my food plan got worked out later. But what I heard was I hadn't eaten, I'd eaten a somewhat slightly healthy dinner. And I used to not eat breakfast and lunch and was still that heavy. I'd start eating at night and not stop. So after I went to that meeting for the first time in my adult life, I went home and I didn't eat, meaning I didn't eat after dinner. And I don't think that, I don't even know if that happened as a child, but certainly in my, my memory. And then they had read this thing at the at the meeting, three meal, we suggest to start three meals a day, nothing in between, and abstaining from your personal binge foods. So I started to do that the next day. And later on, I learned that I'm a sugar addict and I had to look at ingredients. Later on, I learned even a little bit later on that I'm a high starch flour addict and that had to let go by the grace of God release. But I didn't, I, like, basically what happened then is I got off the toxic eating. Carol, five. that's five more. Thank you. Top five left. Okay. And so that was the most important thing for me. And of course, there was intensive emotional withdrawal from food. And I'm really grateful I had a sponsor. And, and so too, with the working the fourth step, I had to seize the moment, like I was waiting to feel right and have the right pen and the right book and everything. And, you know, my sponsor told me, you know, 15 minutes a day, and that really helped. So I could just start. So, you know, I talked, I, I don't have a, like five minutes to talk about what it's like now, so I want to just to make it in any way reasonable, I guess I'll talk about the different levels of recovery. Physically, the most important thing is don't eat no matter what, but I was told my sponsors, which is not an order, but a promise. What it really means to me is I don't have to eat no matter what happens. And so that abstinence has to have a life of its own. Stuff happens, hard things. Some I create in my mind, other things that are really hard happen to me. Hard things happen to everybody. And so what they helped me understand is that my abstinence is not dependent on the things that happen in my life. Otherwise, I'm just going to be shoved around like a, like, you know, uh, a little pebble in a storm or something. And so that was really great information. And in fact, when things happen, abstinence can be the foundation of emotional stability. Like everything else is going kaflooey, but I've got my three meals a day. Emotionally, the most important thing that I learned and I need to keep remembering every day 
is I am responsible for my feelings. You know, what did I do to contribute to the situation? If I didn't do anything, why am I reacting the way I did? You know, and my sponsor helped me learn things like he made me feel is false. No one can make me feel any which way. I am responsible. So it's really, really helpful when I remember that because it gets me out of victim thinking. And the most disempowering thing is to think I'm a victim. Spiritually, it's interesting my opinions about God or higher power. I like, you know, thinking about it, but none of that really matters. What matters is what I do, that I have a practice of prayer and meditation and need to keep keep it, even when it feels shallow or it could go deeper. And it's good to deepen it, but also to just keep going, you know. And so, you know, I have moments of deep joy now. And I also have moments every day where I have afflictive emotions, but I have a path back and I have a fellowship back. So I probably only have a minute or so left. I wanted to move into the topic because I wanted to say something about what it means to me. So my topic for tonight is uh, trudging the road of happy destiny. Uh, you know, that line from the end of the big book. I love that line. And sometimes when I've used it as a topic, people get kind of bummed out because trudging is like, makes it sound like you're pulling your feet through mud. It's all negative. So I looked up, I want to reclaim trudging. I looked it up and it can mean marching forward steadily. So I kind of like that. Forget the militaristic part of it, but I think of a group of people who keeps moving forward. And that could be so wonderful for me. Like, Probably the most help, one of the most helpful sayings is do the next right thing because my anxious brain wants to go ahead 3,000 things. A day at a time could be too long. <laughs> That's too long a period. Like what's the next right thing? So I like this. If I'm trudging, I'm doing the next right thing. And there's all these other people trudging along with me that I get to hang out with and talk to. And then that it's the road of, of happy destiny, not to happy destiny. Like we're going to get to this happy destiny later, but that um, we're going to... Um, that the path itself is a wonderful thing. So I'm really grateful to be on this path with you. Um, I have to go off the meeting for like two minutes because somebody knocked on my door, but I'll be right back. But thank you very, very much for letting me share. <laughs>